What is up, my fellow limpers? This is your host, Jordan Ross, and thank you for listening to another episode of the What's Your Limp podcast. I, I hope everyone has had a fantastic week. Um, I have have been extremely busy uh, shooting almost every single day on this new project. Uh, still can't really give too much away, but it shouldn't be too much longer until I'm able to make an official announcement. Um, but yeah, it's been difficult not being able to be home with my family as much, but I'm I'm definitely very, very, very grateful for, for the opportunity and, uh, you know, it kind of comes with the territory. Also, yesterday was the two-year anniversary of my uh, grandfather passing away, who I was super, super close to. Um, he was one of my role models and heroes, and uh, that was definitely the most difficult death I've I've experienced so far in my life. Uh, and yeah, so yesterday it was it was kind of strange, um, you know, it being two years since since he passed. Uh, so I just wanted to say, if any of you are missing someone today, if any of you are struggling with loss or grief or anything like that, just know that you're not alone, and all of those things that you're feeling are completely normal and uh, healthy. So, um, you know, just allow yourself to feel them and don't be afraid to talk to someone if you need to. Anyway, now on to this week's interview. So this week I had the pleasure of sitting down and talking with Kira Allen, a fantastic actor who happens to be a wheelchair user. And she got her big break in the Hulu original film run alongside Sarah Paulson, who is one of the best actors working today. But Kira more than held her own and did a fantastic job in it. So we talked a lot about that film, uh, as well as her journey as an actor and, uh, you know, becoming disabled as a teenager, uh, the the effects that had on her life, you know, not just physically, but mentally and, and emotionally and socially as well. Um, so we talked about all of that. We talked about uh, what's next for her in her career, what her goals are, uh, and much more. She's an incredibly thoughtful and, and articulate person, uh, and I, I think that you are really going to appreciate her insight. So without further ado, listen to this original intro music by the great Devin Levi. Give him a follow at Devin Levi Music, and enjoy this conversation with actor Kiera Allen. Can you hear me? Hi, Jordan. Hey, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I can't hear you. Okay, you good. Me? Yes, yes, it's perfect. Good, good, good. It's nice well, to meet you. you. It's so nice to meet you too. Thank you for inviting me to be on your podcast. Of course. Thank you for agreeing to do it. I, I'm very excited to do it. I haven't done an interview in a while. Yeah. Um, probably since around the Run Press Tour. So uh, this is yeah. exciting. I, I do want to talk a lot about Run and kind of what led to all of that, but um I guess we can start from the beginning. And uh, what was your childhood like? Where'd you grow up? Did you have any siblings? All that fun stuff. My childhood was great. I had a great childhood. Um, I, I have an amazing family uh, who have always been so supportive of me and, you know, came to see all my shows growing up and, and always believed in me. Um, you know, my my older brothers would, would tell people when I was a kid, you know, this is, this is my sister Kira. She's going to be on TV one day. They just always, always believed in me and always believed in my dreams and, um, you know, a big, big love there. And, and we still do. I'm seeing um, my, my older brothers are very grown up now and, and living on their own and, and uh, 
having their adult lives. Um, but I still see them very regularly. And I'm, so I'm you were the baby. I, yes, I am. Okay. I am two big brothers. It'll, it'll toughen you up. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we're very close and we love each other very much. Um, and I'm seeing one of them on Sunday. So very Fine. excited for that. Yeah. yeah. Um, my kids are the, op- I have three kids myself Fine. and, oh wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. I have two girls, one just turned six, the other one's three. And then I, they have a little brother who's one. So it's like oh, the wow. opposite of your situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Two girls and a boy. Well, well, happy birthday to your daughter. Thanks. Thanks. It, it was a, uh, it was a fun one. It's, it's been interesting the last like year because now they've all had like, one of them was born during the pandemic and the other two have now had two birthdays during all of this. So it's been kind mm. of, uh, it's been interesting to navigate, but, uh, but yeah, yeah it was, it, yeah. we made the most of it. Yeah, um, I can't imagine like as a young kid, two birthdays is such a huge amount of time at that yeah. age. Like it feels, it doesn't feel like as much when you're you know, like I'm 23 to have two birthdays in the pandemic is kind of like, it's a much smaller percentage of my life than it would be for a three-year-old. Yeah. Um, it's like literally just, two thirds of her life. Yeah. Yeah. It's mind boggling. Yeah. I can't imagine being a kid during this. Right. Just going to like Target or something. And, you know, my oldest loves Target. So her getting to like wear her little Minnie Mouse mask and go to Target is like the most exciting thing ever um, since oh, we don't really goodness. get to do much else. But uh yeah. But yeah, I mean, they've, they've been, uh, it's been nice, you know, getting to kind of as a family be home and like spend a lot of time together in these like formative years. So that part's been, been really nice. But, um, I remember reading, uh, an article or an interview with you a while ago where you talked about you were like a super girly girl at first and then Ah! being kind of like a tomboy and trying to balance like these different aspects of like who you are. Um, where were, where was that? I guess, kind of pressure coming to be more girly or to be more of this? Was it more of like just your, your friend group or, or like, what was it that made you feel like you had to be more of a, a girly girl or a tomboy or like, you know, go against certain like social constructs? I, that, that's such a great question. First of all, thank you for reading my glamour essay. Of course. Um, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I really think it was just like this vague cultural thing that I was feeling as a young kid that was like not coming from any specific place, not coming from my parents or from my friends or from my school. But for some reason, like as as a young kid, um, whether it be like from movies or magazines or billboards or cultural osmosis, whatever it was. I was somehow receiving the message that like in order to be valuable, I had to be a princess essentially. Right. And so I was like, I'm going to perfect that. I am going to be the best version of the person I'm supposed to be that I can. Um, and so, and I also enjoyed it. Like I enjoyed being a girly girl. I liked the big puffy pink dresses I liked wearing like tiaras and all, you know, the sparkly stuff. It's not like I was like putting on an act. I also, I also enjoyed it. And, you know, I, I liked the princess movies and, um, and so I was into it, but you know, at that age, I, I didn't have any, I, I didn't have any awareness that I was limiting myself. Uh, I think I, I was just like, this is what I'm supposed to be. And I'm, I'm doing a really good job at it because I'm being the most extreme version of that thing I can be. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think as I got older and, you know, not that much older, like into middle school ish years, um, 
the idea of the cool girl started to enter my world. Um, the kind of gone girl idea of like the girl who's chill and the girl who's not like other girls and yeah, the girl one who of can, the like, guys. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, like the girl who can like out eat you and outrun you and like yeah. listens to the same music that you do. And I was like, oh, well, I've been going about it this all wrong. I am the wrong kind of girl. Like this is not <laughs> the kind of person I'm supposed to be. I'm gonna switch it up. Um, and the thing is, like, that felt totally, like, right to me and real to me, too. Like, I loved classic rock. I loved climbing trees. I love, you know, all of these things that I was doing at this age. I loved hanging out with the guys. I was invited to, like, all the guys' birthday parties. And I used to, like, eat lunch with the guys and just, like, yell. And it was really primal and fun. And, like, I had yeah. I had a great time during that period of my life as well. Um and I think the the painful part of it started to come in when, like, I couldn't reconcile these parts of my identities, uh, this, these two parts of my identity. See, I'm doing it even now. I'm, like, splitting it up into multiple identities. Yeah. There's one, you know, there's one identity. There's me. But I didn't feel like these two, you know, the, these two separate parts could be part of the same, the same person. Um, and so, like, I was... I was hiding a lot of myself during that time. I was like, I was really into Taylor Swift at that time. And that was like, that was like my biggest secret. <laughs> like I was, yeah. I loved Taylor Swift and I loved One Direction. And I was like, if anyone finds out these things about me, they're like, first of all, I will completely disintegrate as a person because it's so opposite to right. what everyone knows about me that like no <laughs> one will even be able to understand me as a person anymore. I clearly had very low expectations of people. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I, I was really, really afraid. Um, and, and it took a little growing up for me to be like, hey, wait, like, I don't have to be just one thing. I can be all sorts of things. And now I really embrace that, like, there are some parts of me that are really girly. And, and I love those parts of me. And I love Taylor Swift. And it was really... Um, like a wonderful, almost therapeutic moment to post a video on Instagram of me dancing to Taylor Swift. I was like, finally, I get to be this version of myself. But I also like, you know, I, I, I still love my classic rock. And I still love, you know, going around in a t-shirt and no makeup sometimes. Like I, I can be all of those things. And, and I think acting has been, been a big part of that discovery. I, I just started watching the Twilight movies for the first time. That was like something I would never allow myself to approach wow. in middle school. Cause that yeah. was like, I'm not that kind of girl. And like, I've been watching with them with my friends and it's so delightful. We have so much fun watching yeah. those movies. Well, um, so yeah, I, I think fully embracing anything anything i am including things i may not have discovered yet yeah that's awesome i i totally relate to that because i obviously i'd like the artsy side i've always been into acting that's always been like my number one passion and my main thing um i'm also like a big sports fan and i love football and I, every time mm. i'm on a film set i have a football with me and i like find some pa to throw it around with or whatever but talking to other actors it's not always the case like you know a, a lot of the show that i'm on a lot of my castmates like could care less about football um so mm. sometimes i even now find myself like oh i can't talk about football around them and stuff like that where it's like um yeah. i still i still struggle with that sometimes and you know in in high school it's like as a guy you got to like all the guys 
AI stuff. And, you know, you, I remember I loved the notebook. That was like one of my favorite movies. And one of my other guy friends, we would like hang out and watch the notebook at his house because we couldn't really watch it with anyone <laughs> else because we both loved it. Um, and uh, yeah, it is funny though, especially when you're younger, the things that you feel like you have to hide about yourself or, yeah, um, yeah. you know, just the things that you like, it's, it's silly, but I'm, I'm glad that you've been able to, you know, more openly, like, like the things you like, because yeah. it's there, there isn't one way to to go about, you know, life as a, as a woman or as a man or as like this or that, whatever it is. It's like my, my oldest one that just turned six, she is, um, she loves dresses. She loves like pink and princess stuff, but then she also loves being outside and getting in the mud and like playing mm. with bugs and, like she found a frog earlier today and was carrying it around the house and like stuff like that. And then my son loves like playing with footballs and uh, he has all these little like plush Nerf balls everywhere. But then he, anytime the girls get their little like crowns out or their like necklaces or their little play jewelry, he, he like loves wearing their little like pink necklaces and their crowns while like playing with his football. So it's like, there's, you don't have to be one thing. Like there's not, yeah. I feel like we come up with these ideas of what it means to be a man or a woman or whatever. And I, I think it's, uh, that's one thing I've really tried to to show my own kids is like, it's okay. You can like whatever you like. Like there's no right way to go about, you know, all of this. Um, yeah. That's awesome. So I I was reading that I read like four or five different articles and interviews with you uh, in preparation. So you became disabled while you were in high school. Is that right? Yeah, the the social aspect of it was um, was very interesting and something I've definitely reflected a lot on. I do reflect a lot. That's just kind of um, my my way my way of processing. I guess that's that's why I love acting and why I love writing. Is I as I kind of love looking inward and figuring out why I react in certain ways to things or why I experience certain things in certain ways and and so. Um, that being a very big moment in my life when I was 16, um, definitely something I've, I've thought a lot about and, and how I, I lived so much of my life with no, no awareness of this experience that's now my day-to-day, the experience of being a wheelchair user, of, of living with a disability. That was just something that was like off my radar as a first-person experience. I only yeah. knew it from, <laughs> from the outside, and, which is wild to me that that was most of my life. And now, now this is how I live my life every day. Um, so I've definitely learned a lot since then. It was a big adjustment. Um, you know, I, I suddenly became very aware of inaccessibility in the world. I became very aware of how, uh, of how people treat disabled people, especially having made that very quick transition. Um, seeing a a lot of people who somehow couldn't see me as the same person that I was before, which was very confusing to me because I'm like, literally nothing has changed other than I'm sitting down now, like I'm the same person. I mean, that's an oversimplification. Obviously things have changed, but like I, I have not changed. I'm, I'm the same person. And, and it, and it became very hard for people to often for people to wrap their minds around that. And so I, I became very aware of how, yeah, how disability can, can shift the way you're treated and can shift the way people perceive you. Um, and, and I reflect a lot of, uh, on, I think it, it's kind of, it's given me an unusual perspective of I can 
be treated in a certain way or have a certain interaction or have, um, have someone say a certain thing to me and have the awareness of this would not have happened to me if I weren't in the chair because I've experienced life not in the chair. And now I've experienced, you know, about a third of my life in the chair. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, um, it was definitely an, an interesting time to have that major life transition because high school is, is such a tumultuous time and a time of so many major life transitions that, that um, it was, uh, yeah, definitely. I, I, I don't, I don't think it's, the the best time to add <laughs> to right. add another major life transition but um you know I, I i definitely do think that i have i i have that multi-layered perspective of having lived my life in two very different ways yeah was i'm i'm interested because i i know as someone who's always like had a, a disability i've always had my limp and uh especially when i was younger it was a lot more severe before I underwent all of my my operations. Um, so th- it's kind of been all I've always known. There are times where I know people are are, you know, they have good intentions, but sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like I'll I'll be treated as if I'm I'm fragile or mm-hmm. or I need extra help or something. Like, oh, yeah. you know, uh, there's uh, you know, I'll be at the the grocery store and and someone they'll see me limp as I walk up to the the checkout and be like, so do you need help carrying the the water out and things like that? And I'm like, no, I put it in the cart. Like I'm I promise yeah. I'm good and and I get it. I understand, but then I it's almost like this um this feeling of like, you know, wanting to prove myself. And I always did mm-hmm. that. I did, I did construction for my, my stepdad. He was a, like a home remodeler whenever I was a teenager. And I all, I had a friend of mine who did it with me and he was a football player and, you know, ripped. And I'm like this little guy. And I, I felt so um, like competitive, like I needed to <laughs> carry as, as many bags of like concrete as he was carrying or, or like mm. as many uh, pieces of lumber or whatever. Like I needed to really push myself to be like, to show people like I'm capable of whatever you're doing. It may look a little bit different, but I can do it too. Um, do you, did you ever feel any of that? Like that, uh, need to prove yourself? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I think one of the really cool things about run is that, um, I did so much physically in that movie that I think a lot of people might not expect a disabled person to be capable of. Right. And so it's now, now a cool thing that I can point to and be like, you think I can't do this? I crawled, I crawled on a roof. Like, (laughs) so it's nice to have like a little bit of almost, almost a highlight reel of stunts and, and things I did physically that were, um, beyond what, you know, maybe a lot of people would think I'm capable of, but Definitely um, proving proving myself in in a lot of ways, I think, has has been a theme um, since I became disabled and, and started facing um, almost like lower expectations. Mm-hmm. It was it was weird how that how that happened, how I felt like I had um, all of the same capabilities except some physical ones and and people immediately like didn't necessarily expect me to go to college, didn't expect me to still want to be an actor, like didn't expect me to live independently. And, uh, and so I was like, Oh, just you wait. Yeah. Um, that kind of became like a, a mantra. Um, and, and I did, I, I like when I, when I went to college, um, 
I went to Columbia and, um, and I like when I was able to say that, like drop that into conversation, um, that like, I go to Columbia, I'm in college, I live in a dorm by myself. Like I would try to fit those things in to almost like adjust people's perceptions or expectations of me. And I get a lot of like, Oh really? Oh, wow. Oh, really? I, I get a lot of people asking me even before I told them, like, I'd be like, I'm in college. Um, Oh, do you, do you live by yourself? Like, and that's one of those things that I'm like, I know people would not be asking that if I weren't in the chair, but people wanted to know. Yeah. And I said, yeah, I live by myself on campus. Um, and, and kind of almost being able to like, give a resume of like independence and accomplishments and things, which is not something I'd like to do. I I don't, I don't like to do that like in a boastful way, but almost to um, like, yeah, to adjust people's perceptions of and expectations of, of what I'm capable of. But at a certain point, I also started noticing that that was holding me back in some ways because I would um, push myself beyond what was healthy um or like doing doing too many things and trying to accomplish too many things at once or committing myself to too many things or like doing things that I didn't even necessarily want to do just to prove to people that I could um and it was exhausting me and it was not for my own benefit it was for other people's benefit or so I would appear in a certain way to other people um and I think there is also like a component of internalized ableism in that of like you know, if I'm more capable and can do more things, then I'm better, which I I started to recognize that like, that's not true. That's, you know, something that I've internalized that I need to need to work through and that can be harmful. So I, I, I kind of, I started to realize that like giving a stereotype, like a stereotype being like, you can't be independent or you're incapable or you need help or whatever those things like, giving a stereotype like that too much attention um, and too much weight can also give it too much power over you. Um, So I I try to maintain that balance of like being aware that other people often see me in inaccurate ways and, and trying to um, trying to, I won't say fix that, but, but, but trying to address that wherever I can. Um, but also saying, you know, at the end of the day, it's my life. It's not to be lived for other people. And if a certain number of people in the world see me as incapable, see me as weak, see me as needing help, um, as as long as I'm okay and I'm living my life and I'm happy, then then let them, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I really like what you said about the the internalized ableism, because that's something I've struggled with as well. Like there there are going to be certain things that you know, may be more difficult for you or for me than it would be for an able-bodied person. Or there may be things mm-hmm. that, um, you know, we just have to do differently. But I would never look at someone else and say, oh, well, they can't do this specific thing. So they're weak. So I, I was mm-hmm. like, I need to stop acting that way about myself. Like, it's okay if I need to, if I'm, you know, walking a long distance and I need to take a little break because my knee or my hip is hurting or whatever. Like it's okay. I don't need to push myself. I don't need to prove to anyone, um, that, that I can do whatever they can do because, uh, that's like you said, it's just for their own benefit. It's not for you at all. So I, I really like the way that you articulated that growing up, I had people kind of try to lower my own expectations for myself as an actor. So that was something that was, that was tough. And then having, 
um, you know, people like getting bullied and stuff like that. So I was going to ask if you ever uh, faced any bullying um, after you became a wheelchair user. And also, how did you approach your own expectations and goals for yourself as an artist did did that change any of that initially or was it something that you it made you like even more determined mm, mm. yeah great questions um I don't know if I would say I experienced bullying like I don't I don't, I don't think I experienced outright bullying and you know very lucky for that of course um I think what I experienced was more like exclusion and um, people being uncomfortable around me or afraid of me or people who had been my friends, you know, suddenly not calling me back and, you know, not wanting to be around me anymore and, and, and having this discomfort um, that I, I really, really felt and kind of, you know, having to answer uncomfortable questions, having people, like I said, treat me as a different person, none of which I think was intentional, not like people coming out for me and being like, I'm going to go like make the disabled girl's life harder. I'm going to go bully the disabled girl. Like, I don't think it was like that, but I think there were certain things I experienced and had to navigate as a teenager that I didn't before I became disabled and not just from kids, but from adults as well. And having to, like you said, change mindsets and, you know, come into a room knowing that oftentimes as you come into that room, you're the first disabled person or like first wheelchair user of your age that any of them have ever met. And you're going to have to like put everyone at ease um, and kind of make them see you as a normal person that like your, your job is bigger, you know, just your whole, your whole job is, I, 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 I say you as the generic, you not you specifically, I, I guess I'll, I'll make it an I statement. I, I felt at that age that, that my, my job was bigger um, than, than most of the kids that I was going to school with in terms of managing people's perceptions um, and, and navigating, uh, questions and, and erroneous assumptions and things like that. But I would say that that was the bigger issue than like anyone like coming out and picking on me. That wasn't, that luckily wasn't something that I did, that I had to, uh, that I had to face so much. Um, and, uh, the, the other question was about, yeah, expectations and goals. Um, I'm very stubborn. I, I, I can be pretty stubborn. I, I try to be, you know, flexible when it makes sense, but I, I, I'm very steadfast about my goals. And, and when I became disabled, um, I was kind of confused by like a lot of people who were like, Oh, and you wanted to be an actor too. Oh, it's so sad. I'm like, what are you talking about? I still want to be an actor. (laughs) I still, it's not like, you know, my disability has, erased my my capability to feel human emotion and like live a life that's what acting is about isn't right. it having having thoughts and feelings and and life and all, and all of that um yeah that that is still that is still very much part of me like anyone else and and like i would come into auditions and have people say things to me like i would go out for musicals and and have people be like you're so amazing I can't believe you like completely relearned how to dance and sing and act. And I was like, well, I guess dancing to a degree and like singing, you have to work with Brecht support and stuff and, and maybe make some adjustments, but act, 
Like, how did I have to relearn how to act? Like, yeah. I'm, it, it just kind of blew my mind that, yeah, people really to such an extreme degree saw that as something that I could no longer do. Maybe because there is so little representation and so many people have never seen someone who looks like me um, on stage in a movie, in a TV show. That's why I think, like, I, if I'm they so have, it's often an able-bodied actor in a wheelchair. Yes, yeah. yes, 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 exactly. Um, and which is why I think that like people like Ali Stroker, have, like I, what she, what she's done, and like her performance in Oklahoma, and how she just like blew the roof off that place. Um, that was such sitting in the audience watching that happen was was such a huge moment for me because I was like, everyone sees this woman on stage who's beautiful and talented and just stealing the show. And, and she looks like me. Um, and people like all of these people in this theater are going to go home and see that someone who looks like me is capable of that. Um, and so there are so, 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 so many more, uh, so many more disabled people who have that kind of talent. Um, just a lot of them, don't unfortunately necessarily get the platform to show it. Um, and, and so I, 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 but when I was, you know, when I was at that age, I, I, I kind of just said, I, you know, I know I can, I know I can do it. Um, yeah. and I'm just going to have to show up and convince people. Um, and, and I do, I think, I think there is an element of having to be aware that it's going to be harder for me. And, um, and I've experienced that as well. Um, and, and there are going to be obstacles that I come up against that non-disabled people wouldn't necessarily have to come up against. Um, and that is part of the journey and going to be part of the journey because that's, you know, that's what trailblazing is all about. Um, but at the same time, like in the big picture, I'm not modifying my goals. I'm not saying like, because I'm a wheelchair user or because, you know, the history is this, or because there is X, Y, or Z element of, you know, ableism in this or that part of, of this industry that I can't do this. I like, I, I always come back to like, if I know I'm capable of it, then then I'll make it happen. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I'm curious after run came out, uh, what were, what was the response like of, of people reaching out and, uh, you know, talking to you about that role? Yeah, I, the response to the movie was was really extraordinary, and I think not something I could have prepared myself for. Um, just the the enthusiasm, and and I just first of all how 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 much people loved the movie itself. Um, like there yeah. were people who who stayed up to midnight the night it came out on Hulu to watch it for the first time, and there were people who had watched it like ten times in the first week and were reaching out to tell me how many times they'd seen the film. And they're like, hey, Kira, should I do my homework tonight or watch Run for the 11th time? And <laughs> like, I can't, I can't be a bad influence. Don't ask me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, it was, it was really, really exciting to see that kind of enthusiasm and, um, and an enthusiasm for the work that I did and the work that I was a part of and the collaboration that we all had together that had nothing to do with disability. That was just about the craft and 
the story and what it brought to people and the the entertainment value. Um, and that was really exciting for me because I, I was worried that it was going to be made all about my disability and that it was going to be a thing of, I don't know if this is something you've experienced before, but like, isn't it amazing that a, a disabled person can do something? Like that a disabled person can be in a movie that like those low expectations were going to like mean that everything was framed in those terms. Like, I can't believe that, you know, she did this despite her disability, stuff, yeah. stuff like that, that um, that it would be seen as like it was, you know, it was amazing that I even, you know, got up out of bed and showed up on set. I, yeah. you know, I, I was worried that that would kind of filter into it. And um, I was really pleasantly surprised that a lot of people just like loved the character and loved the film and, you know, were excited about me and, and wanted to hear about like you know, what, what my favorite kind of dog was and, you know, <laughs> wanted to ask me what I was doing this weekend and, and just were interested in me as a full person and interested in the character as a full character. That was really exciting. Um, and it was equally exciting to receive these messages and these comments from, um, from disabled people, disabled actors um, and writers and sometimes just like regular people, I'm sorry, I, I say regular people as if like artists are just like so weird and outlandish. We fall into <laughs> our own category. Yeah. Um, but like people who are not in the industry and doing other things with their lives who, um, you know, who, who just reached out and said all sorts of things that reminded me of why representation is so important, why it's so important to, to see yourself like that. And, and, and I've talked about, you know, the moment of seeing Ali Stroker on stage like that and how that was so important to me. And then to hear from other people like this, that run was that moment for them. And they looked at that and said, Oh, you know, maybe I can do more than what people expect of me. Or, um, you know, I can show this to other people and, and, and show them why it's, it's wrong to have, you know, to have universally low expectations of, of disabled people in general, or, yeah. you know, you look so cool on the red carpet. And like, if I feel insecure about my mobility aids, I look at your red carpet photos and I feel cool again. And like hearing, hearing stuff like that, um, is just really, yeah, it, it, it's, it's definitely changed me as a person and changed my perspective on, on myself and on the work that I do. Cause I wasn't, you know, I was doing, I wasn't doing this with any like, you know, larger purpose in mind. I wasn't doing this like with any political motives or to try to like prove that disabled people could do things or, right. or to, yeah, to, you know, try to move the needle on representation. Those, though, those are all obviously things I care very much about. Like I was just an actor doing a movie because I love the script and I love the character. And so then to do that and do my job and, and find out that it meant so much more to people than I could have anticipated um that was really really cool yeah i, I want to say too whenever i first saw it uh i didn't know anything about it i just saw like uh, uh the poster for it on hulu and i saw sarah paulson and i was like oh she's amazing and i mm, i watched it i had no idea whether or not you were an actual wheelchair user or not i just i, I assumed um you know and I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed about it now but i guess it's because <laughs> 
it's uh you know just kind of the norm to have able-bodied actors playing characters with disabilities so i assumed that you you weren't a wheelchair user that that um you were you were just an able-bodied actor that was cast in the role but i was still impressed with the fact that the character wasn't made out to be like a, a victim or or wasn't uh you know this frail you know creature like a lot of of disabled characters um they it's like they're they're in need of help you know they're the victim and and they're not capable you know stuff like it's kind mm -hmm. of all of those stereotypes that that bleed into to cinema um so i was really really happy with the fact that your character was you know, fully capable of, of doing all of these things. And, and, uh, then whenever I found out later on, uh, that you are a wheelchair user, I was like, Oh, that I'm really glad that they, they did that. And I watched it again and it threw like a whole new lens and, um, it made me have even more appreciation for the film, but watching it, I was just like, it wasn't the thing, like you said, people put that caveat on there of like, Oh, that's really impressive for, an actor with a disability or, you know, things like that. But it's like, you were great in it. And I, I had no idea. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. And I will say it's, it's a totally reasonable assumption that I was not a real wheelchair user. I think a lot of people right. were surprised to find that out. And, and I was really happy that this team um, decided to go for authenticity and, and, you know, did, did a bunch of, of like t accepted self tapes from all around the country. I think hundreds of self tapes, um, and, and cast me as, as a complete unknown outside of, you know, New York theater and, um, and, and trusted me with, with their film. And it was an amazing opportunity for me and an amazing experience. Um, and especially with a character like this, as, as you said, which it, she's a really unusual kind of character to see. Um, in in a mainstream project for for a character with a disability that um she's just a very dimensional fully fleshed out person she has these interests and these strengths and it's not like despite her disability and it, it's it's not like you know she's like cool for a girl in a wheelchair it's just like yeah. she's cool and smart and capable and she's disabled like those yeah. things don't have to be in conflict with each her. other it yeah. yeah yeah she's she's not defined by her disability but at the same time her disability isn't erased or minimized it's very much a part of her journey um but it doesn't swallow up her whole character like i i i didn't feel like i was coming in to like play a wheelchair which i sometimes feel like you know i'm, I'm coming in to play a disability um in 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 some scripts i've read in the past whereas this one was like this was this was a a fully well-rounded character and a team who was willing to listen and had done their research and wanted to get my perspective as well but also their development of the character didn't depend entirely on my perspective because they were getting information from other sources as well um and like we're fully willing to you know if i if i said you know this something just doesn't feel true to me in my life or like i wouldn't move this way i would do it like this um they were fully open to things like that and and it became a very collaborative process of of bringing bringing to life this character who who felt true in all these different ways yeah how how confident were you at first to speak up about that stuff since this was your 
your first film, what, was it something you had to kind of learn over time or did they encourage it and that kind of gave you the confidence or was it just something you went right in with that like approach? They definitely encouraged me to speak up and, okay. and to be a part of those conversations um, from very early on, which is really, really important, I think, um, and on a film set, in, in, in rehearsal for, for a theater project, anything um, to, to create that environment where people can, uh, can step forward and say, for whatever reason, this doesn't feel right to me, or can we do it this way? Um, because I think that's, that's how you take things to the next level and, and also how you get the best performance out of your actor. Yeah. Um, because like, they're going to do better if they believe in what they're saying and what they're doing. Um, but Anish and I, from, from the very beginning, we had these like meetings during pre-production a couple times a week where we'd go through every scene of the script beat by beat and talk about like, what is she feeling in this moment? What is she thinking in this moment? Um, and Anish wanted to know like what my process of preparation was so he could structure the sessions around that and make it as helpful as possible for me. Um, but you know, he also always said like, if something doesn't feel right to you, if you have a question for something, if something isn't landing for you or, or doesn't fit with what you see as this character's journey, like bring it up to me because we should talk about that. Like if, Again, if as an actor, you're, you don't fully believe in it, it's going to hurt your performance. So he wanted to know those things. And, um, you know, the first time I kind of felt brave enough to, to bring up something where I was like, it was a very small thing of like someone pushing the chair. And I was like, I, person like, I personally don't let people push my chair unless I absolutely have to. I prefer to push my own chair and, and I was like a big part of, you know, Chloe's character is that she's very independent and likes to do things for herself. Like I would see this as a moment where she would push her own chair. Um, mm -hmm. And he was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. Let's do it that way. And we did it that way. <laughs> that was, and that was it. Um, and, and there were, they were all like small things like that, um, that were, that were uh, in the, in the blocking it was never like, you know, a full scene had to be rewritten, but like tiny little things, sometimes even on the day, I'd be like, you know, this shelf is really high. Um, like, I don't think I'd put something up there because that would be uncomfortable to reach that high. I would probably put it lower. And we just make small adjustments like that on the day. Um, and they really wanted to hear them and, yeah. and like would even call me sometimes as they were like in the edit and ask me, hey, what do you think about this? What if we cut it this way? What, how do you think? Like, do you think this represents this well? Um, like, what if we change the line to this? What if we do a voiceover with this? Like, anything related to, like, representation or disability or things we discussed. Um, like, they always wanted to hear my perspective on it as well. But like I said, they also did their own research and they had, like, a disability consultant from Brown. And so it was also nice to know that the pressure wasn't entirely on me to like manage that part, yeah. that part of the film. There were other, there were other people involved who knew what that's, they were talking about. That's really cool. I think that, um, like you said, anytime you're, you're, whether it's a, a play or a film or whatever it is, having that kind of like collaborative space is so, so, so important because I've, yes. I've had so many, not so many, but I, I've, I've, encountered my share of directors who um aren't really interested in, in what you have to say it's just kind of mm -hmm. like this is what I want this is this is what you're gonna give me but all of those little uh things that you mentioned like it, it makes a huge difference it makes everything feel more real and more authentic and um I think that's that's really cool uh 
another thing. So I have just like two more questions. So this one, uh, I, I read in another article, you had mentioned that a lot of actors with disabilities can often do like a, a big role that they get, they get remembered for or recognized for, and then don't really get the same amount of opportunities after what's your experience been like since you were in run and um, what kind of goals do you have for yourself moving forward? Like uh, what kind of roles would you like to play? Mm-hmm. Um, what's really, what's really wonderful about the time we're living in right now which is an odd thing to say, given the time we're living in right now. <laughs> there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot to not be so thrilled about about these right. times. But one positive change that I think is happening is is I think that is shifting. And you know, you see someone like I'm going to name drop her again, Ali Stroker, who won a Tony for Oklahoma, and you know now she's going to be on this Netflix miniseries, and she's going to be um, a regular on Ozark next season. Oh wow! Or Lauren Ridlock, who was nominated for a Tony in Children of a Lesser God, and now she's going to be in Marvel's Eternals. Right. Um. And and you know I I see a lot more there. There is there has been a history of a lot of these kind of um. these actors who have shown such incredible talent in one role and were never given an opportunity to show it again, which Mm -hmm. to me, that really breaks my heart that that's been, that's been a lot of the history. Um, But I do, I do see that starting to shift. Um, You know, you always wish that it would happen faster and involving a lot more people. Um, But, you know, change, change happens slowly. Um, and you know, I, (laughs) I'm, I'm very excited about the rest of my career and, um, I, I'm working with some new agents who are really wonderful and going out for a lot of projects that I'm very excited about. And so, you know, everything's so, so uncertain in this industry all the time. Like it's, you know, (laughs) you can never see, say where you're going to be next week, much less next year. Um, but you know, I do still have the same, um, big dreams and goals for myself and, and I'm lucky to have a lot of allies and a lot of people who believe in me, like, you know, Anish and Seven, Nat and Sarah, um, the whole team behind Run have, have (laughs) have stuck by my side and, and are always there for me and, and are always, you know, stumping for me. And, and so, you know, to work with more people like them who are incredibly talented and also just wonderful people. Um, that's what, that's what excites me most. I think I was really lucky in that for my first film, I, it was, it, it was such a, it was such a wonderful experience. And I was coming in with like hearing kind of all these Hollywood horror stories about how bad it can be. And I think I got really, really lucky that my first time I had this amazing experience and, and my, my only fear is that it's set the bar too high and I'm going to be <laughs> disappointed by whatever comes after, whatever other sets I'm on in the future. But um, if I get to do more projects like Run that are, that are that rewarding for me as an actor and also as a human being, um, you know, that's, that's the dream. Yeah, I, I agree, though. I think there is, you know, a shift happening. I have interviewed a lot of people with disabilities, but um, a lot of able-bodied actors as well. But among the actors like RJ Mitty and Eileen mm-hmm. Gruba, who I mentioned, and Steve Way um, and Nick Novicki, all of these people who are kind of like major figures in the movement for inclusion in the arts for for the disabled community. 
Um, they've all kind of talked about the same shift. I've, I've started to see more breakdowns and auditions lately where it says in the breakdown, like submit um, without regard for like, you know, disability, race, gender, all of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So they're there. Uh, I think that's important because I've, I've spoken to casting directors who have told me like, we would be fine. Like, you know, we, we want to see actors with disabilities, but a lot of times agents will only submit their, their disabled actors for specifically disabled roles. Um, Mm -hmm. so that's something they've been trying to educate like agencies on as well. So I think things Mm -hmm. are, are happening lastly. So I I want you to plug anything you want to plug anything you've been working on any like organizations you're involved with or anything like that. But the last question is, since we talk a lot about the things that we've had to overcome or that we're insecure about, I always end it by asking, what's the thing you love most about yourself? Oh, oh, I love that. Huh. Could I ask you what your answer is? Sure. Um, uh, I would probably say... It's it's always a tough question. I I I'm used to putting other people on the spot. <laughs> Sorry um, to put you on the spot. No, I've been doing I, it to I, you. I would say um, I I have a lot of of empathy for for others. Um, I it's. It, I often like I'm I'm able I feel like I'm able to see the good in others. Someone will do something mm. that it may be um, you know just on paper, it may be something that's like, oh, that's bad. But then I, I try to look at like, okay, well, what pushed them to make that choice? Or, you know, what, what led up mm. to that moment? Like what happened to them that caused them to feel desperate or lonely or, you know, sad or whatever it is they were, they were dealing with. And it's mm-hmm. not to excuse, you know, uh, bad actions from, of people, but it, it's like, I, I, I tend to try to find, um, the the psychological or emotional reasoning behind things whenever I look mm. at at people um and try to to find the good in them so yeah I'd say um empathy maybe yeah mm. what about that's you? beautiful that's beautiful and I think that makes so much sense to me that that that's how your mind works that you always like to to seek people's motivations and what's behind their actions because that's what an actor does that's what right. acting is all about so that makes a lot of sense to me that you're an actor if that's the way you think um yeah. I, it's you know that's not to say all actors are necessarily empathetic or that that's a a required thing for being an actor um but yeah I find that the more I work on my empathy and the more I work on understanding other people the the better an actor I become I yeah. became I become able to um to understand more perspectives and embody them better. So, um, but I think it's most worth it for, for itself, of course, not just for the acting, but it was interesting hearing you, hearing you talk about that. Um, And I think that's, that's a wonderful thing. Um, For me, I think, um, I I, I think the fact that I I put love at the center of my life, uh, I think that's probably my favorite thing about myself that I, I prioritize the people I love. Um, I make sure that I, or as much as I can, I try to make sure that I love what I'm doing and that I'm doing it for the right reasons. Um, I just try to do everything with love and with care, um, for other people and, and, and do things for the right reasons. Cause at the end of the day, like that, that is the most important thing. I, you know, I, 
money and and fame and attention and all of these other things can be fun and exciting but at the end of the day for me it's all about the love yeah i agree that's awesome now uh is there anything that you want to plug or any projects you have coming up oh um I don't think I can. I have something coming up that, that I'm very excited about, but I don't think I'm allowed to talk about it yet. I'm sorry. Okay. No, <laughs> but, no, it's okay. Uh, when, when that comes out, I will, uh, I, I will be plugging. And so just stay tuned. I guess that's my plug. <laughs> okay. One, yeah. Whenever you can announce whatever it is, uh, we'll, we'll have to have you back on to, to promote it. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Um, I really appreciate you doing this. I'm, I was already a fan of your work and I'm so excited to see what you do next. And, um, I think that, you know, the, the industry needs more, more people like you that, that are, like you said, they prioritize love and they, you know, are passionate about what they're doing. They love what they're doing. Um, and they're, they're good at what they do. And, uh, I think that, that, uh, we're we're lucky to have you in this industry and um I'm I'm truly truly excited to see you know what's what's in your future and I hope we get to work together on something too. I hope so too. Thank you so much for saying that. That's so kind and it's really it's made my day this conversation. Same here. Thank you so much for having me on Jordan. Of course. You have a good one. Thank you so much. Thank you, you too. So, that was my conversation with Kiera. Uh, as I said, she's incredibly articulate and genuine and thoughtful, and I'm I'm just so uh, honored that she was willing to come on the show and and talk to me about uh, her journey. I really hope we get to see much much more of her in the future. Uh, I hope she gets all of the opportunities that she deserves. Go check out Run on Hulu. It's fantastic. It's one of the best thrillers I've seen uh, in a while. And also go follow her. Just type in Kiera Allen, K-I-E-R-A Allen, uh, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, and give her a follow. Show her some love. Anyway, now is the time for me to announce next week's guest. So this is actually an interview I did a while ago, but for various reasons, I, I haven't been able to release it yet. Yeah, I kind of create these schedules in advance, but then other episodes pop up where it's like, oh, I really want to share this now, or I want to release an episode in correlation with, um, you know, a project that the person is plugging and stuff like that. So I haven't been able to release this episode yet, but finally I'm getting around to it. It is my conversation with comedian Josh Blue, who also happens to have cerebral palsy like myself hilarious comedian, one of my favorite comedians, truly. Um, And uh, we talk about his journey as a comedian, how he uses humor uh, to educate and inform others on uh, disability. And yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for you to hear that. Be sure to tune in next Monday. Until then, remember to love your limp, be good to yourself, and have a great week. Now enjoy this original outro music by Devin Levi. And like I said, give him a follow at Devin Levi Music. Y'all have a good one.